three officers here that were under investigation as part of these proceedings. One you just heard from right there, Detective Brent Hankinson. He is significant because he is the only one of those three officers that had previously been fired. And in his termination letter, the police chief wrote that he had wantonly and blindly fired into one of the apartments. Appealing his termination, but it appears that the grand jury, the only officer, the officer that the grand jury has returned an indictment on, has been Brent Hankinson for the lesser charge of wanton endangerment. Prosecutors had said that he had fired into not just Brianna Taylor's apartment, but another apartment as well. And according to the police chief in his term, termination letter, that did not follow the use of force policy in the Louisville Police Department. officers that were part of this investigation, Sergeant John Manningley and Miles Cosgrove, they remain employed by the department. They are still on paid administrative, administrative leave. Lester, what's significant here is that we did not hear any charges against those two officers. Man, they said they're not going to prosecute the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. What do you think we should do? What's going on, everybody? As always, it's your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I'm joined by my two most favorite people to talk to on this podcast. First, we've got uh, the world's foremost leading legal humorist, Sean Carter, and special guest tonight, we have good old comedian, attorney, and one of my favorite people to watch when he is actively on Facebook, and, um, <laughs> and um, middle finger up to Facebook for him not being on Facebook right now. Robert Jenkins, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. You know, I just got sentenced. You know what I mean? You know, I'm on the... Hey, I had my appeal. My appeal was like three minutes, bro. I appealed, and then when I opened the advocate, and it was like, nah. <laughs> now, by the way, I think we should... Go ahead. Do you have it in front of you, Robert? Because I think you should share this post, Um, you know, because this was uh, this, this is about your best. Yeah, all right. Let me pull it up because I took a screen cap because I know how they be doing. Exactly. Now, this is right. you knew beforehand. You knew before you posted this that that you were you know you already packed your bags up, right? Oh and yeah. So, oh know, yeah. You knew you were back in, in. Okay. This is this is that mood that you make when you know you fin. They here they come. <laughs> so you just say, "All right, here they here they come." So you know, before y'all take me away, I just feel like I should share this one thing. <laughs> um, all right, so America. Is, all right, let me start. Let me start, and uh, I just start over here. Uh, America is a gang. To get respect, you have to put in work. Until you do that, you can claim the set, but the other gang members won't respect you. Up to this point, black people have not put in the work. Black people do not have enough blood on our hands to show that we are truly American. We need to show that we are willing to kill people who disrespect us. In the words of Spice One, our Uzis do not weigh a ton. You see how they get down. They kill people for simply disagreeing with them. They shoot up schools, they shoot up churches, they shoot up public places just because they feel like it. They drop nuclear bombs on another country. 
They literally killed their way to the top. Killing is the American way. It's literally all they understand. We kill each other, but everybody does that. If black people killed the people who did this type of thing, you see the justice system start to work for us. No protests, no marches, no trials or arrests. You find out who did it and you find out where they at and you put in work. We can talk all day about structural reforms, and I do believe that's a great answer for the long term. But structural reforms can't do nearly the same thing as establishing the baseline of respect that comes with killing the people who kill you and yours. This is our chance to speak to them in a language they understand. They are literally telling us exactly what we need to do. Targeted violence is the answer. If we're not willing to kill the people who kill us, we can't really expect anything different. I don't know why they would even think about putting you in jail for that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I, you know, I edited. I took the sharp corners off of it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> nobody's addressing there. Um, and, and by the way, for anyone who hears this later in the future, this is um, September twenty third, the day that we got the announcement um, that the killers of Breonna Taylor would not be prosecuted. Mm-hmm. So just to give you some context um, of, of, of where we're going there. Now, just as far as, as Facebook jail, and this is, it bothers me because, you know, your voice needs to be out there. It's one of, it's one of, one of my favorite voices on Facebook by, for, for a mile. You're constantly in jail. And that's by far the most explicit statement you've ever had. Right? Most of the time you get in there for what, saying the N-word? Yeah, something like that, you know, <laughs> with, a, with a hard R, you know, I put a hard R on it, you know, that's normally what they throw me in there for, you know, I've, I've been there so many times, it's it's like so many different things that I've yeah, been recidivism in there for. Rate, so, man, recidivism. I know, hey man, it's, you know, it, every time it's like cell therapy from Goody Mob, remember that song? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, See, yeah, man, I- you and at least they have now. At least, and this is so good. Think about it, brother. We wouldn't have ever get you on here. At least we now they let you do messenger. Yeah, right. That, yep. So yep. at least you can talk to your boys. You can, you know, get you. When before, when they first you start throwing us in jail, there was no message. You right. just, just you could you could go on and lurk and see yeah. what the yep. world was going on. Um, it wasn't. I, I found out two things that bothered me. One, um, I, I'm not as, as beloved as I thought I was. See, people tell me that. <laughs> but then you know I was gone for like three days, right? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's, real, it's really insidious how Facebook is designed because, see, we are not the customers. We're the product. Well, you're you right. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so they sell us to mm-hmm. the customers, which are the businesses. So whenever they block you, whenever they, you know, ban you, they stop you from doing anything that you where you can use Facebook as an outlet, but right. they find a way to maximize you as a as a as a product. So yeah, you can still you can watch, you can see everything. You right. can't re, you can't even interact with people. And the thing that really gets me is that you can't even unfriend people or block people when you ban. Oh, so you just be in there talking about you, okay? <laughs> yeah, so they can so they can talk crazy. They can just talk. They can talk at you crazy, and you can't even ban. You can't even that's block torture. none of that. Oh, and, that's torture, and, I know, man. And here's the thing: you might be talking to the nigga that reported you. Right, right. <laughs> what? And you can't even you can't even do nothing. You know, they have, as you know, there's algorithms that catch your automatic words. So, for instance, if you say "coon," 
you might mm-hmm. as well pack your stuff before you even hit, 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 enter. Right? That's gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, certain but- words, by, you know, the N word with a hard R. Right? Um, mm-hmm. now the, the other stuff, though, like white, they can't get all the instances of white. So that has to be somebody reporting you. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'd have came up with so many different ways. I say like color redacted. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh man! But they get them. They get them all now. You know, I use the just asterisks, five asterisks, yeah. and, yep. and the reason for that is because you can't build an automatic search algorithm on that because asterisks is a wild card key. Mm. Yep, absolutely. So if yep. you go type in in the Facebook search asterisks and, and try to search for asterisks, it can't find them. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it won't know what to do there. So I'd use that, but doing it wrong. That still doesn't stop people from telling on you, right? I got you know, I, I got my three day bid because. I called the, the white boy who shot up everybody in Kenosha stupid. Yeah, that's crazy. You're quoting hate speech and inferiority. I'm like, oh, y'all, hell no. <laughs> y'all must well, know, man. Like, I'm, I'm Teflon over here. I, I haven't been touched. You know, I don't leave witnesses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you're, like, you're like Nikki Barnes over there, dog. You over here just put me on the magazine. Let Carter see me. You know what I'm saying? Where Robert and I messed up, I think you've been smarter here, Jesse. Is you know you actually got a, a pretty good, a very good size following, but you got a lot of mixture, and, and I think a lot more rep, 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 um, black people as a percentage. And as mm-hmm. you know, black people ain't gonna snitch. Mm-mm. That's right. Oh, you don't like they make <laughs> on your porch, but they ain't calling nobody, right? <laughs> <laughs> Robert and I got, I think, too many, too many uh, color redacted people. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I like it because I'm trying to hurt people. With my words. <laughs> I'm not saying everything I'm saying. Black people already know. I might be I know, saying right? it. I'm saying it in a way like it's been times where black folks have sent me a message or something. They said, "Like, man, you you put that in a way that I was. That was the perfect way that you put that." But it's but nothing that I say or any of us say is a revelation to black right. people. They are everybody That's already it. know. So it's no, like I'm just trying to injure people with my words. You know, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and you, you do a good job of that because they because yeah. you got a butt hurt boy. They out there just can't wait to tell. I bet there were four or five people who told mm-hmm. on you on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know, we know, we know. Yeah. <laughs> I see it too. I'd be like, he just said that I was racist, and he caught my mama a hoe. But here's the thing that's bothered me though is like you cannot, you know. I wrote a long, drawn out piece about this. It was too much about it recently. But the problem that bothers me about this is, you know, this is where social discourse happens. This is the barbershop now. Think of it that Mm -hmm. way, right? Yeah. And back in the day, you know, you get in the barbershop, you hash some things out, et cetera. And now we got basically white monitors in the barbershop mm-hmm. going, oh, no, 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 y'all can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, man, imagine what would happen to civil rights if, you know, we couldn't talk about anything in, in, in our place. And like you said, you know, Robert, the thing people have to understand is if the product is free, you're the customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ultimate customer is, you know, is, 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 you know, the companies, right? They're advertising. Yeah, all them people that are selling them bullshit products. Exactly. They're the, they the ones that's really funding this whole joint. So, like, yeah. we, And it what keeps them happy. Also, I found out, and here's the thing that's, that's, that's killing me. We're probably on the wrong platform. You know, Facebook is old people. Mm-hmm. As a result, actually, the, the, the demographics of Facebook are more conservative than liberal. If you're yeah. in a liberal bubble, you think it's all liberals on here. No, it's mostly conservatives. Oh, no, I know that. I, I, I'm here, I'm on Facebook 
I picked Facebook for a few reasons. For number one, I don't like Twitter because I don't think that those limited characters are a way to really do anything thoughtful. Right, right, right. Instagram is okay. I like Instagram. I like pictures, but I don't feel like I should have to post a picture every time I want to talk about (laughs) some serious shit. Like, I don't sit around and take... I don't have that many pictures of Huey Newton, okay? So (laughs) I can't... I can't just post all these pictures like here's a picture of Eldridge Cleaver. And I'm like, you know, so I just want I want to say what I want to say and I just want to put it out there. And like mm-hmm. part of the reason I like Facebook is because I'm talking to people who don't like me. Mm. Good. You don't have to. Equality don't mean that you like me. It means that right. you don't have enough power to hurt me. All right. That's what I'm talking about. True no. words never been spoken. No, never been spoken. Now we got to talk about the 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 the, the Breonna Taylor thing. Um, so for months and months and months, everybody's been talking about even the NBA players, right? We got to you know get the get, get the people who, who who killed Breonna Taylor, and then finally the Kentucky Attorney General. Uh, by the way, we're gonna start with a clip of him. Uh, the brother's name is Daniel Kumaran. Uh, I'm sorry, Kumaran. <laughs> but really, I should be. He could definitely rename himself this. He got up to speak last month at the RNC, and, I, and we played this. Little, I'm going to play just the first minute of, the, of, the, of his talk. Just let you know the kind of brother we're dealing with. Good evening. My name is Daniel Cameron. I'm 34 years old, and the first African American Attorney General in Kentucky history. It is an honor to be with you as a proud Republican and supporter of Donald J. Trump. I was raised in Kentucky, just a few miles from Abraham Lincoln's birthplace. Our first Republican president believed in compassion, self-reliance, freedom, equality, and justice. Sadly, there are some who don't believe in this wisdom or in the better angels of our shared American history as they tear down the statues of people like Ulysses S. Grant, Frederick Douglass, and even Mr. Lincoln himself. All right, we, we can stop this. <laughs> <laughs> he done good and well. Ain't nobody now, tear down no Frederick Douglass statue. You know good and well. Right, because Robert's that military. Robert, how many Frederick Douglass statues have you torn down in the last month? None. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I'm around here trying to build them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How many are there? Like four? And they probably all right. like I ain't never seen a Frederick Douglass statue. I, I tell say you what, I guarantee, I guarantee you, it ain't none in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you that. <laughs> you right about that. Now I gotta go look at it. It's probably like seven of them, right? Six of them in his mama's house, you know, in grandma's house with the with the, with the plastic runners. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, there's a park in the in, in Rochester, New York. I've actually been there for it. It's, it's near um, uh, um, what is her name? Susan B. Anthony. It's her little you know thing, and they were mm-hmm. friends, or whatever. So they you know got their little park statue together. Um, but uh, but no, nah, not in Kentucky. Um, but also, let's see, Ulysses Grant. Uh, y'all been tearing down him? How Hello? many? People, I know we done torn down a Lincoln Monument yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> Negative. Exactly, right? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, for his day. 
he was, you know, we you got to think about it. We comparing old white dudes back then <laughs> to now, like, you know what I mean? If if Lincoln was alive now, he'd be a racist motherfucker. But back or then, Bernie Sanders out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like shit, you know, he, he wasn't bad back then. He wasn't bad back then, right? And you know, yeah. you, you look at it at, 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 at his quotes now. I'm just always like. Yeah, I've said shit like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, he was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like anti-slavery. I mean, he did say like if he could keep the union and not get rid of slavery, he would do that. Right. But at the same time, what do you expect a white motherfucker from back then to say? Like, <laughs> come on now. And, and get elected president. You're absolutely right. No, exactly. no, Think about it. Trump couldn't say that now and get elected. Right. With his right. base. Man, I tell you what, it's a good thing they don't put slavery on the ballot because it's a bunch of states. I know it would carry Mississippi and Alabama. I know that. I know most people there would vote for slavery right now to this day. So that's where we are. You know, I'm not sure anymore. Here's why. Because they might not like us enough to want us to be around all, all the time. You know, back then they kind of needed us to be around, but now you got combines and stuff like that. And now, if you could get us back to Africa, and that's why I've been telling Jesse this for, for, for years now, we should have made the deal in 2016. You know what? Y'all pay moving expenses and a little setup money, and we'll go. Why would you do that? Why do you want to leave? Why well, want to leave? Yeah. What, what is there here? Because, for- it, look, if black people left right now by January, this would be Switzerland. It'd be socialist as fuck. They'd have health care. They'd have everything else. they have it all. We're the only thing that's stopping that. So it's no way in hell I'm going to put in all this work and then leave so they can get the shit that they're trying to stop us from having now? Uh-uh. Everybody in, everybody in this country should die before I leave. <laughs> well, here, it's not going nowhere. No, you're, you're absolutely right about that. That's the sad thing is you're absolutely right. We were going to be Switzerland tomorrow. A lot of black people say, you know, my, my, my grandparents built this, and et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, that, that's absolutely true. But since they didn't get the deed to none of it, that don't do yeah. me any good. Well, and and you know, know, where do you come in? Actually, you've been a lot of, you've been, you've been with the Africans anyway. You might be gone already. Hey, man, no, no, no. Well, this, my belief is I think we should definitely open up and expand our networks beyond what the Western society wants us to have. And I think it's good for us to build relationships transatlantic. Yeah, I agree. But, Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, I also feel like, you know, I'm one of those people I do feel like there's some degree of sweat equity. Like, I feel like my ancestors put the time and the work in for all of this with the hope that one day I was going to take it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it is. Like, we're going to build it up. We're going to let them think they're running it. And one day, you're supposed to go out here and take it. So that's my job. Now, we're going to try right. to do that the way that we can, you know, in, in the way that we can uh, best navigate it. We've been trying to ask for, I started off asking on a platform of black equity. So that really scared people off. I was like, no, I think black people should be equal across the board. I think there should be reparations. I think we should have power and control over our neighborhoods. I think we should have this. Somehow my argument got diluted by the community into Black Lives Matter. We just want to live. Right. <laughs> so, so, okay. so I'm like, okay, I can support that, but I mean, I want us to elevate, you know. Go ahead. Uh, you're saying, Robert? I don't want to get off topic here, but I just think that the perverse thing about this country when it comes to the relationship between white people and black people 
is that white people have all of this power. They, you know, control all these things, right? Mm -hmm. But they're so concerned with keeping us down that they are doing things that are literally killing themselves. Right. Mm. Like how much, why would you, black people have so much control over this country because white people look at us and want to hurt us so bad that they're willing to hurt themselves too. I ain't never hate, I ain't never hated nobody enough to want to hurt myself. Well, about and their kids, right? They're yeah. gonna have kids go to school and get and get shot yeah. up and get fired, right? but 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 the, you know, and and you're absolutely right. But here, there's actually a very good reason for this. Basically, it comes down to the human need for self-esteem, and what mm-hmm. happens is, is that everybody has a need to feel good, special, better than somebody. And if you ain't shit individually, right, <laughs> then you find find a group identity. And as long as your group wins, you'll be fine. And by the way, it's not just race. I'll give you a great example. If if if, if the Panthers win the Super Bowl this year, or um, you know, or, or in your case, or you know, the, the, the Detroit. I don't know why we're saying that. Uh, don't even write. Exactly. Don't even go there. y'all y'all been to a Super Bowl. Shit. We we have been, but but but, but we ain't go back soon. But anyway, but but well, my quarterback Mike, he's only like seven now. But when he gets older, we might we might go back to Super Bowl. But think about this. The, the, the <laughs> thing about it is this though: if we win the Super Bowl, right, there'd be fools out in the street. Burning their own car down, right? Acting a fool. It won't be investment mm-hmm. bankers. It won't be rich white people. It'd be broke people of all races. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you ain't really have shit yourself. You, you have to pull that group identity. Yeah. And so for most white people, they don't have a lot of shit. They don't have anything going on themselves, but they got white. And yeah. so they will ride white to the end. White doesn't have to be good to them. Think about it. You know, our teams have been good to us. We still ride with them, right? It's right. like, you know, yeah. be usually working, but if it gives you some identity and makes you feel a little better than somebody else, it, you you're willing to go with it. In a in a way, if if it, if if white supremacy wasn't so disastrous and so dangerous to the country, it would I would feel bad for them in this sense. It's a catch-22, white supremacy. It's a catch-22 because the white has no meaning. The, it, the term itself doesn't mean anything. It was a term that they made up in order to separate the poor white people from the African slaves. Right. If you, you know, so it, didn't, it exists just to separ- separate those two groups of people. So white, in a sense, all white means is, be- is better than black. That's all, that's all it means. So if you define yourself by your relationship with someone else, <laughs> then you must, that, that other person or other group you used to define yourself has to remain in that place for you to have an identity. Right. Hmm. So if white means better than black, then what does white mean if that's no longer true? All see, of this, you. Is, this is the yeah. problem, though. I don't, I don't no. understand because if, if you're white, it would seem to me that if you're white, all you have to do is try a little bit, right? Like, you don't, <laughs> you don't even, like, the, the people that they're upset about are people like Shaq, like people who had to, like, overcome tremendous right. obstacles yeah. to get to the top. Barack Obama, they're really pissed off about. But I'm like, you know, do you know what the average black person who just wants to be a dentist or an attorney, do you know what they had to go through to, right, right. to get 
where they're at and you're mad at them and all you had to do is literally just walk into the school. That's all well, you look, had to do. But you you know what though? I think that's easy to say, but life is hard, man. Even if even y'all follow baseball, right? You know, if you get a two oh count, you still you can know a fastball is coming, you still gotta hit it. Right. And when I think about being in America, like baseball is the perfect it's the perfect example for what you have to go through in this country. Like if you black, if you're a black man and you get up to the plate, you already got two strikes mm. when you get up to the plate. If you're right. a white man, you get a two, you start with a two Oh count. <laughs> if you, if you rich, you, they walk you and you literally get on base. Right. White women, when they hit a home run, they only get a triple because mm. they only get paid 75 cents on a dollar. But they get a zero zero count, and black women don't even get to fucking bat. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's just privilege stacked on top of privilege, and it's like you know, life well, is hard. Life is hard, man. So what? I get pe- people have the everything. People will have all these advantages and still fuck it up. Well, no, exactly. You know, and, and the thing that gets me about whiteness, you know, is, is simply that, like you said, it's not a thing uh, except in relation to blackness. Mm-hmm. So remember, because think about it, white people, if, they, if we weren't here, they'd be thinking of themselves as Italians, right, Germans, et cetera. Yeah. And the way you attain whiteness in America is you give that up. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If you give that up, you're not really real, real white. Right, so if you come in here as Polish and you're eating your sausage, right, you listen to your polka. Uh, no, no, you, you, we'll make jokes about you. You can't really be white until you give all that stuff up, right, and just become mm-hmm. and, and not black. But your whole identity is based on not black. If you ask white people what's it like to be white, they can't even tell you. They can tell you what yeah. it's like to not be black, right, and not yeah. to have to deal with the police, etc. But as far as their identity, it's, it's like it's, it's like I said, it's only an opposite, right? Yeah. So, um, gotta be kind of sad. No, but it's like it's like that's the that's the problem. It's like, you know, when you don't have an identity, when your whole identity is based on being better than somebody else and you no longer have that, nothing is more dangerous than a group of people without an identity. No, you're right. You know, I mean, think about it. Like, I man, being black has been hell in this country. And I wouldn't have it if I had to pick over again. I picked black. Even knowing everything that I went through, that's how important identity is mm. to, to the individual. Like even knowing what I know now about all the shit that black people go through, if I had it to do over again, there's no way in the world I would pick anything else, knowing what I know. So that's how important identity is. Mm, okay. All right. And I think most people are like that. Yeah. You know, it's important, you know, so you got to have something. What we need to do is they have to establish an identity that's separate and apart from supremacy. Nobody knows what it means to be white in this country without talking about all these terrible things that they don't want to talk about. Right. So there has to be some something else that they can use to define themselves to have an identity. It, they, they have to create that to have something else because this whole supremacy thing, it's not working out for anybody. Well, I think your thoughts on that, Jesse, because this, this is where I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying. It's working out for a few people. We agree on that. But 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 do you think that for for for, for most white people, this is working out 
Like, would they be willing to give it up? Well, why do you be willing to give up whiteness? Yeah, you, or supremacy. The whole thing about like, okay, you know, absolutely not. Well, I'm in the south. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I think what what bothers, at least from my perspective, what bothers white people here, I think, is the concept that even one person can be successful, even one person that doesn't look like them can be successful. And I think what has changed since their parents' generation is now we've got a lot of people who look like me who are successful, right? And we, we you know how black people are. Like, we're not just successful. We're going to let you know we're successful. Like, we're going to have <laughs> nice cars. We're going to have Jordans. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be fly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we yeah. Meanwhile, you're still in the trailer park trying to figure out where your other two teeth are. So, yeah. you know, the issue is why, why are we, from, at least from appearances, now they don't know anything about how the credit system messes us up and all that stuff. They don't, they don't see that. Um, but the issue for them is perception wise, why is it that you get to do X, Y, and Z? And I think the thing that encapsulates this, you know, hilariously to me is the fact that we're talking about a black man who is a Republican who is basically in a position of power by placating white people. <laughs> so yeah. the people they're mad at blackness, but they're supporting the black guy who is sitting here now, I guess now protecting them and insulating their law enforcement. But he's probably going to get a federal appointment off of this, right? Well, so he's continuing to grow. That is definitely um, what he's going for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's trying to get on the short list, man. Mm-hmm. Shorter than that hairline. <laughs> and he said he was thirty-four. I was like, he, nah, he's thirty-four, but his hairline is eighty. Like this nigga, <laughs> look at his hair. I look, look. I'm mad at his hairline. I don't like his hairline. His hairline has a terrible personality. I'm mad at it. <laughs> You more about the hairline than, than that than that ignorant as uh you know yeah everybody you know these brothers are trying to knock over all the Frederick Douglass statues. Uh, um, first of all, that's it was hogwash. And let's also be clear about this. Um, you know that's and I'm not I'm not trying to you know distance us from it. Um, I'm almost you know maybe we should be doing it, but that that's mostly white people stuff. Hmm? Like, like if you're black and you got time to be worried about the statue, you you doing all right. Uh, most most people, people ain't, ain't got time to be worried about more about the statue. Um, you know, when I'm driving by the statue, I'm looking for the popo. I ain't yeah. got time to be worried about you know what the Princess Grand is up there. We worried about substantive stuff, like right. you know, like that whole statue shit. Like that was the funny thing was them statues came down quick as hell, which means they knew it was a problem to begin with. They could have did that shit thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when niggas get mad and start tearing shit up and burning shit, then all of a sudden, let's start with the statues. Fuck well, the what, statues. But no, start and end because that's the yeah. thing they placate us with. Are we still gonna shoot you? But um, but but here, you know, we'll rename Aunt Jemima. Yeah, right? you know, right. hell no, right? Um, and so let's talk about the shooting thing. So as we know, Brianna Taylor was, was was shot by um the police um in a. In a, in a in a midnight or was it late in the, in, in the middle of the night raid looking mm-hmm. for drugs which they never found right and uh, um she's you know shot in her bed you know or I guess I guess in this story we've heard even she was in the hallway um and you know shot several yeah. times in the apartment of an EMT but apparently you know that blue isn't blue enough for blue lives matter no right? that's blue on blue crime but but, but she kind of blue black so that don't really count right. right? Um, and the, the, the officers are not charged originally. Of course, why would you? All right. Mm-hmm. Six months later, they finally come up to, and, and here is, uh, Kuma, and he explains 
that there'll be no charges against the officers who shot her, but he did announce charges against the officer who shot the wall. Um, I need somebody smarter than me to explain. Uh, it, it, it's 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 not a crime to shoot a sister six times, but it's a crime to shoot into the wall and miss a white woman next door. Is that is yeah. that how? It works? Yeah, wall, uh, walls have feelings and yeah. emotions and um, futures that white people actually care about. Right. Uh, they also have insurance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I just like. The thing that one the thing that's bothering me the most about all this, right? So they paid this huge settlement out for her. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Twelve mil. Twelve mil. I mean, it's a record. It's a record breaking thing. They get rid of no knock warrants, right? Mm-hmm. They, allegedly, it sounds like he's trying to push back against that today. So they make these changes because of the situation, but. Nothing happens for her. That's mm-hmm. that's how this country really just it uses black women up, just uses them up. Absolutely. Like they had her on all these different magazines and they had people saying her name for clout. Some people, a lot of people were serious about it, but some people, you know, it was a clout thing. All these people jumped on the bandwagon talking about her and everybody had her name in their mouth. But at the end of the day, she gets nothing out of this. She doesn't get justice. She doesn't get anything. And it's just how it always happens with black women in this country. They just fucking use them up and then they just discard them and then they just on to the next one. You know what it's like? And we all know somebody like that. Um, it's, I got you next paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Essentially, right? yeah. You know, we all know somebody who owes you $50 for about four years, right? Mm-hmm. But they your next paycheck. Mm-hmm. Just not this one. And that's how they are with Brianna here, right? You know, next person, you know, no, no knock. We're not gonna have it now. You know, I'm sorry, what we're gonna do now, um, but we, you know, we can't, we can't help it now. But, but next time we got you. Um, but it turns out that never, next time never comes. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Um, and and to your point, man, I think it's, it's even more ironic the fact that what was she doing before this? She was up here trying to help people with COVID nineteen uh, as as one of the, the first responders when people would get into the hospital. Yeah. She's trying to help people. She, I mean, we talking hard hours because this was when right. this thing was just starting. We talking hard hours. She come home to relax, and this and this is what they do. And then they play games all this time. And I, and I want to go back for a moment to this concept of the the no knock. Okay. Right. So a lot a big deal was made about whether or not the officers actually announced their presence before they entered. Mm-hmm. I think what's telling and one of the issues I have with Mr. Uh, Coomran is that he entrusts one person, the one person. Like there's a whole complex of people that were like, I ain't here, Jack. Right. right. Mm-hmm. He entrusts one person who <laughs> says, Oh, yeah, I heard them say police. No, not and just all that. Of a sudden, that's, that's sufficient. They got mm-hmm. several 911 calls. Mm-hmm. The police got several 911 calls talking about they shooting. They shooting. <laughs> Now, now, ain't nobody calling the police on the police, right? So obviously, no. they didn't know it was police shooting, right? So, so, right. and here's what gets me is this is my theory as to why they were willing to give her the twelve million because that was going to have to come up in trial. Yep. Oh yeah. 
going to pay $12 million to save these officers. Now, here's the thing that's amazing is um, I got a company. Um, I got I got a son employed here. Um, what do you think? Um, what do you think I'd be willing to pay twelve million dollars to do to save his job? Uh, nah. Nah, <laughs> nah, 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 he he just got to say he gonna have to he gonna have to do that bid, baby. That's it. <laughs> he gonna have to go right, and then yeah. he ain't gonna make twelve million dollars for me in 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 a hundred lifetimes. What, you got an eighty thousand dollar employee? You willing to spend twelve million dollars on an eighty thousand dollar employee? Really? Mm, what is it's the shield, though. It's more than just the employee. It's the shield. It's, it's you're, right. you're, you're, you're paying to protect the shield. Right. Yeah. It's worth it a lot. So I think that that comes back to your um, original question, Rob. Right? I think where where it comes down to is, was it better for Cameron to make this statement and bring the charge about the reckless, I guess, the reckless shooting of the wall? Or would it have been preferable for him? You know, my opinion on this, I think is is I think it would be preferable to go through the trial. Like I want to see, I want to see it happen. Even if we, even if I know you're gonna screw it, even if I know you're gonna lose, I want to see the attempt made to try to put these officers uh, on the stand in front of twelve people. I want to see it. But I, is it better to go through that process, or would it have been better for him to just say we're not charging them with anything? Yeah. See, I, I I feel like I, me per, and I think it it's no real right or wrong answer to this. You know what I'm saying? Some people, you know, there have been some convictions at at trial. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, what was the woman's name who shot Botham Jean? Uh, right. mm-hmm. She Geiger. got convicted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, wasn't it Amber Geiger? Right? She got Amber she Geiger. got convicted. Mm-hmm. You know, there was another one who shot Walter, Walter Scott. Scott. Walter Scott. Uh, yeah. He got convicted. He got convicted. Yep. Well. Um, Actually, to be clear, he actually had a hung jury the first time. Yeah, and, and then they tried him again and got the conviction. So it's not that it's impossible, but the way I see it is if you had to pull teeth and you had to march and scream and, and, and do all this protesting just to get them to bring these charges, I have no faith in them actually not doing They do a half-assed job. So mm-hmm. they would bring these charges. Maybe it's manslaughter. Maybe it's whatever they want to call it. And then they would intentionally fuck the case up so they lose. Because Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, they, they have no interest in doing the thing the right way. Prosecutors no, no. are attack dogs. They like sending motherfuckers to jail. So if you got one that's this hesitant to <laughs> do what they normally do, that means that they don't want to do it. They don't have an interest in doing it. No, they don't have an interest in doing it. And the thing that bothers me about this, though, is that the charging the one guy is based on the presumption that we stupid. Well, they just playing games. It's funny yeah. to them. The thing is, they it's funny. Like, they get to the point, stuff gets to the point in this country where they think it's so funny. And they do, because I didn't want this to go to a trial because I'm tired of people profiting off of trauma from mm-hmm. black folks. Because it's a game to them to see us sprawled out in the street dead and shit. Like they put these videos up of us getting killed and it's always these pictures. And then they always, you know, when people don't get charged, they always got to show mothers crying. And, and it's always athletes on TV begging and pleading and, and, and upset because that, they get off on that shit. That shit is funny to them. And so I'm tired of seeing it on television all the time. I'm tired of our pain being fucking 
mine for profit. The way they do us is like how you know the Native Americans would kill a buffalo and they use the whole part of the buffalo. Mm-hmm. They use every part of it. That's how this country does black people. They kill us and they use every fucking part of us to make money off of it. Mm. You know, okay? I never they, they don't they don't they don't leave nothing behind. So I'm yeah. tired of seeing us get done like this. So what would have happened? What would have happened was this. They announced these bullshit NAS charges, whatever they want to call it. 18, 18 months go by before the motherfucking trial even gets started. All the while, they go on TV and pontificate about what may or may not happen, right? Mm-hmm. The trial happens. We That's watching that shit every day. Like, like we watched OJ. Like we watched all that other shit. We watch that shit every day. And all these people with all, all these poofed up hairdos is on TV telling us what should and shouldn't happen all the way till they get all the way up to the end of the trial where the motherfuckers walk. And then we right back where we are right motherfucking now. Mm. Just, just, you know what? I like my shit straight. I don't need, I don't need no chaser. I don't even need an ice cube. Just give me my shit neat <laughs> up front. Like this is the bu- This is the bullshit that they doing. Just go ahead and just lay it out there. Cause we don't have, the power to make the motherfuckers do right. So let's not pretend like the shit is fair. Well, wait, do, the, wait. do the shit how they doing. Jesse, what did you think about um, sort of, you know, th- this, see, what kills me about this this thing is not just the fact that they didn't charge the, the shooters, didn't expect them to, et cetera. When they threw in the other charge for, for, for the officer, I was like, you know, now you're almost being insulting. What you're telling me is, right. is that you hit a sister, then, you know, you get the bullseye, you get the prize, but you let this bullet go. Hell, it could have hit a white woman. So you got to go to jail. And I'm like, wait a minute. So almost, you know, maybe killing white people is still, think about it, we matter not only less than white people, but but less than their walls and, you know, less than their their comfort, right? You know, she was mm-hmm. scared. And I'm like, shit, you know, black people are supposed to be scared, apparently. Right. And, you know, you shoot us and, and, and it's no big deal. And to me, it was like, you know, don't bring any of the charges. And here's things I got people now like, oh, they better quit that off. They better, you know, commit that officer. I'm like, why? What do you do? For what? People who didn't shoot her. I'm, see, that's the that's I think that's another thing that black folks, we at least uh, you could disagree with me if you want about this. But I think that we we put too much stock in the outcome of this shit sometimes mm-hmm. we don't control the outcome and the outcome mm-hmm. of these bullshit ass trials they do say nothing about us it says everything about them and their inability to do the right fucking thing right. it ain't got it, it ain't got <clears throat> nothing to do with us whether or not they get that officer get convicted or not that don't have nothing to do with us because the whole thing is a fucking sham right I guess my concern is I don't understand how if you're going to do dirt, like just like you said, be straightforward with it. I I think the problem I have is in his uh, statement today, he admits that uh, maybe the Kentucky investigation couldn't detect where the bullet came from. But the federal investigation said it came from Officer Cosgrove. Right. It's like like they they were clear about that. And it's it's like, okay, well, you know, we we did our assessment. And then he had it wrong because he said there was six shots. And then the, the reporter actually said it was five shots. 
uh, to Breonna Taylor. He was like, well, that was another thing. We don't know what it is. We called it a shot. It was lodged in her foot. So you just saying that y'all could come in and basically do whatever y'all want. And you want us to know it don't matter if the federal government and, and keep in mind, this is the federal government investigation under a Trump administration who found this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it doesn't even matter if the federal government comes in and tells you what they found. You're not even going to give credit to that. Uh, you're just determined and committed to towing the line for officers. And I think what people don't understand is this is a very slippery slope because I know right now with officers, you know, having unions and having guns and having attorney generals and DAs and all this stuff that will support them, they feel empowered. But the problem is the day comes where it's going to be two officers in the car in a bad neighborhood somewhere who's looking for them. People are looking for them. And it's going to be, it's going to go left. And I get nervous about this because I feel like, I I feel like this is going to create animosity amongst everybody, right? I feel like when police officers start getting attacked, who are they going to target? Who are they going to start targeting? Even more than what we've already seen, they're going to come back to us. Who are they going to start? What's infinity plus one? (laughs) Hey, I think it could always be worse, man. I think it'll always be worse. I think they're going to start targeting more. I think the people who already are armed in our community are going to start targeting them more. And I think also not everybody in our community is armed, which is another problem that I think we need to address. If everybody in our community isn't armed, then the people who have the guns essentially are going to be the ones who make the rules, regardless of what side it is they're on. So I just kind of feel like if if we are going to have a thriving and functioning system, if we have any hope of trying to get that, then what we have to do is there needs to be some greater degree of accountability that is, you know, that is less than people just taking it to the street. But what we have done is now put people in a position where we see your court systems are not going to work for you. Your government leaders are not going to work for you. Uh, And all the stuff that white people always say, well, y'all should just do this and do that. We've done that and it's not working. And I just don't see our generation being the type that's going to continue holding hands and walking through and trying to do all the stuff that Martin Luther King did. It's just a different time. I think now people are done. Yeah, but nor should we. And I'll give you, we saw it with the pandemic, right? You want to open mm-hmm. some right. right? You know, I love the fact that the cops are tough. They are warriors until you got a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, we literally, they went, a bunch of, you know, middle-aged white guys went into Michigan and yep. set up our courthouse now. Yes. Yeah. Like, Lock up on your way out. Yeah, they didn't say nothing mm-hmm. to him, and that was that was when I went out and bought some more shit too. <laughs> hey, by the way, they do that with us too. We always say, "Oh no, they'll shoot us. They'll shoot one of us." All right, but uh, I remember a time when the cops had a shootout with the Crips. No, you not, know, not you, it. You well, well, this is the thing that's always bothered me: is people want to make it a make it a fear thing. Like police are always afraid of black people. Mm-hmm. First of all. If they were afraid of us, let's just say that was valid, right? They're afraid of us based on stereotypes and assumptions that they made up about us. That's not reasonable. You can't invent a thing that's not real and then react to it and be reasonable. Okay? Like, that, that makes no sense. I mean, when you go back and look at the stereotypes of Black people when we were slaves... We were soft headed and dumb and childlike because they had to justify taking care of us and not letting us be free. They, they made it seem like it was a paternalistic thing. It was altruistic to like mm-hmm. 
for us to be slaves. But then literally when we got free overnight, we turned into savages overnight. They, they were scared of us. So then they had right. So then they that was what they used to justify killing us. They there has never been a time in this country where white people weren't getting away with killing black people. They was killing us before they said they was even afraid of us. So this mm-hmm. whole fear thing, it doesn't hold water. We've seen this with, and let's go back to the, to the Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing. We show how basically for them, they come up with an outcome and then come up with reasons for it afterwards. Mm-hmm. We want to fill the Supreme Court seat. Oh, let me think. And the theory they came up with was, well, we can do this because the president and the um, Congress of the same party and in a year in which the election, we own, we haven't replaced um, the, the Supreme Court justice, if the Senate and the president are of another different year since 1880. How is that a possible, you know, that's when you figured out what you wanted and then you draw the bullseye around it, right? Well, who who, who Anything from 1880, but, right? My question, my also didn't keep out. They, they sort of left out the whole 1988 Kennedy thing, right? So it's well, just like, go ahead. My question is, why is anybody listening? Why do you even care what they had to say about it? Like, I, what I, do you I, what I, do you I, expect? It don't matter. It doesn't matter what they say about why they do what they do. They just gonna do what they do. And your thing is to stop them from doing it. You don't need to know why to stop the what. No, no, I, well, no, well, and I agree with you. I don't, I don't yeah. I think, you know, but but there is a concern. I think Jesse mentioned it a lot. I, I, I've seen white people mention this a lot. It's like you know, you know, if you take more extreme action, I just got my wife just sent me um, a a news report from what ABC um, that uh, Louisville cop has been uh, shot. Okay. Um, and I'm, I want to see if it was one of them or if it's just a random cop. Robert and I were talking about this. But. My mother, let me just put it on her, since she's not here, um, <laughs> thinks that, um, that some cops need to get got. Look, here's what it is. The police officers that go out and shoot unarmed black people, they face no consequences for doing it. Right. They don't go to jail. They might get fired. That's about it. Black people need to start killing the police officers who kill unarmed black people. Not random. Not not random. No, I'm not talking about random police officers. I'm not talking about people on the force doing whatever. I'm talking about the ones involved in the shooting. That's 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 what you need to do. This country is founded on violence. We never had a big problem that we didn't fix with 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 anything but violence slavery violence american revolution violence okay that's how they get out here it's the american way there right now somewhere on this planet there's american soldiers killing somebody for america using violence right so how the hell are you going to turn around and tell black people to march for what they want because that, that shit, it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's silly to even, it's crazy to listen to that. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's insane. Like if insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result, what is it that black people have been doing for 60 years? The shit is crazy. It's crazy 
do you expect the people that are oppressing you to give you permission to fight back? What the fuck you think they gonna say? Yeah, and see, that's the thing that's amazing to me is because most black people, I, I bet you, I never met obviously either one of your mothers, but here's where I know what happened. You went to school one day, at 10, 8, 11, 8, 9 years old, whatever, and came across the bully. And you went home and said, Mama, so-and-so is messing with me. And your mama said to you, well, here's what you need to do. You need to write out your list of, of requests and demands. And then you need to <laughs> <laughs> He's going to punch you in the face several times, but you don't do him back. You just let him punch you in the face because eventually that's how you win. Or did your mama say what my mama said, which is you better go out there and whip that boy's ass. Hey, right. win, <laughs> win, lose, or draw. Thank you. Right? Somebody, if somebody hits you, you better hit them back. That's that's right. what I was taught. So yeah, that's what every kid is taught. The every kid is taught you don't just stand there and get punched, right? right. So, right. okay, so that's a perfect example. Or you got an example of like a, a man, like normally. I hate to be sexist here, but normally it's men that's doing the domestic violence. It's men that's hitting women. That's generally how it goes. So a man is just beating his wife or beating his girlfriend and she finally have enough and she fight back. Everybody's like good for her. Right? Right. So when you all of a sudden, when you apply that logic to black people in America, you motherfuckers don't understand? It's the same thing. If you keep getting beat and you finally fight back, Normally, the response is good for them. Well, it's not, we, not. You should women. do it peacefully. See, here's the weird part: is because women have sort of the same thing with black people here. If you know, for instance, how many women are in jail for finally fighting back? A lot of yeah. them. Yep. Yeah, which is the it's the fucked up thing. Like that one woman who did 20 years for firing a shot, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. And so they have the same thing we have, which is like the people basically telling them, "Oh no, 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 no girl, you can't fight back." Right, because if you fight oh. back, and the same thing will happen to us, you know. Oh, shit. Well, we have some I wasn't. I wasn't talking about like the like the legal, like the legal system right. is fucked. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like morally, generally you, speaking. You, you know what I mean? Right, everyone appreciates you. Right, you absolutely. No, you're right. you're absolutely right. Yeah, I don't know, but for me, I, I agree with everything you all are saying. I just look at it through kind of the lens of of history, right? So, you know, a lot of times the people who are trying to oppress us will want to go and quote. Martin Luther King scriptures and they pick and choose the parts that they like. But I think one of the big things that pressed Martin Luther King's uh, movement forward was one, uh, the the invention or the, the dissemination of the television, right? So you can get mm-hmm. instant news and see what was going on. We we're desensitized. We've got 24 hour news, so it's not the same. And then number two, I think it was the threat of a person like a Malcolm X or, or uh, Elijah Muhammad of what they could do. Right. So it was like Martin Luther King is the happy medium. We'd rather deal with him. We'd rather have him meet with Congress, tell us what he wants, see if it's something we can work out, as opposed to these unknown separatist groups that might come and influence the masses or, God forbid, the communists come through and recruit all the black people. Right. Right. And I think what we've lost in that is we've been kind of indoctrinated into the Martin Luther King philosophy of let's protest, let's march, let's voice our opinion and concerns to government leaders. But we didn't get the second part of that. So we we voiced those concerns. Government leaders are like, all right, piss off. Then what? And if we don't have somebody who's willing to be that radical revolutionary that's going to say, look, 
we're not going to take it no more. And we're going to come out here to your courthouse with our guns out. We standing out. We expect something to happen in the next five minutes. And if it don't, it's going to be a problem. If you don't have that, then I feel like everything does become for not. At some point, it's just a block party. Right. Yeah. So I, that's what I want. I want us to move away from that. And I think that is a scary premise for a lot of people because I don't know how many folks is really, really committed to avenging Breonna Taylor. I think people say that. I well, think really, people want to believe it. Right now, uh, FBI is out there looking for something for some brother now. Um, and I think the thing is interesting is I think it's a different time. Remember when Christopher Dorner, um, the cop in LA, mm-hmm. would run around as mm-hmm. cops mm-hmm. or whatever, and we just let them, you know, burn them all up. And at the time, you know, I, I, black people were kind of like, ooh, you gonna, you know, you's gonna get us in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if he came around in, in, in 2020, if, uh, if it put, I, I, if people wouldn't be putting some money on his books. Well, my thing is this. I'm for specific violence. Right, right. Specific. I'm not talking about just the, Man. like, because he, he was, you know, like he had his issues. He got fired. It was structural racism. He targeted random people, like he targeted, targeted people he knew, but it wasn't like a death. It wasn't a death thing. They didn't kill unarmed people. I'm talking about the specific officers who do this type of shit. They the ones that got it. They the ones got to go. Not everybody else. There shouldn't be an argument. I don't understand how you, as a police officer, if you're on the force and you see another police officer shoot somebody who's unarmed and you know the shit is wrong. I don't understand how you have a problem with the streets handling that. If nobody else is doing it, what's the problem? If you ain't out here killing unarmed people, what's your problem with this? Because they might want to be doing it next. I can't believe that most of them want to do this. If, if, that, if that's the issue, if that's the issue, then we got way more problems. And cops don't necessarily want to, but here's what I think it is that they are basically have been you know allowed to have this thing where you know if life gets hard if if, if the job gets tough then that's something they can resort to whether or not they're afraid to die or not so let me give you an example every year the cops shoot about 2500 dogs pets the dog is barking they'll just shoot mm-hmm. your dog now mm-hmm. in in in, in a, no cop in the history of american copdom has ever been eaten by a dog mm-hmm. none of them not are that i know of, of. Right, none of them are afraid for their lives. The mailman last year shot zero dogs. So did the water meter guy, etc. So why does the cop get to shoot the dog? Because you know what? It'd be inconvenient not to. Right? It's the same reason why they can shoot a 13-year-old, even white, um, you know, autistic kid. No way in the world that the autistic kid was gonna take the cop down. But you know what? It was we were out here for an hour, pain ass. And that is an option that they kept for themselves. Just it's more convenient to kill you than to deal with you. And, and 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 even though a cop necessarily, you know, isn't planning on doing it tomorrow, because I don't think any cop got up today and said, I'm going to shoot that guy. You can't do it that often. But they want to have that option available to them. That if, if, if it comes to it, I should be able to shoot you or your... I mean, think about it. The dog thing is a perfect example of this. To me, it's like, if you shoot a dog, you can't be a cop. If you can't handle a dog, we can't trust you with people. Yeah. And we allow them Fair to do enough. it. Not lives are not in danger. We just allow them to do it because it's easier for them. And we say, "Fine, make your job easy. Shoot whatever you need to shoot." Mm. Yeah, 
I, I mean, I guess so, man. I don't know. I just there isn't there isn't there we're out of options at this point. We're out of options at this well, point. I think we're out of peaceful options for sure. And by the way, I don't think it's a good long term strategy. You couldn't run it in different Oh, absolutely not. But I don't think it's that long. I think yeah. you know if you 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 people learn very quickly, and I'll give you a great example is here in Arizona, I got we got a bunch of mask holes, right? Mm-hmm. People who didn't want to wear the mask were fighting about it. Were you know, Mark, they had a pro anti mask protest. I was mm-hmm. getting ready to go to the store uh, over the weekend. I'm walking behind the guy in the parking lot, and I'm like, oh my god, look at this asshole! He's got his American flag, you know, t shirt. He just looks like a Trumpster, right? We got mm-hmm. to the front door of that store. Guess what his punk ass did? He put his mask. mask on. It don't take that long. Take about mm-hmm. two weeks to learn. And I think it's like, you know, there'll be about two, three cop shootings, and they'll be like, God damn, I think we need to stop shooting these people. Look, niggas ain't playing no more. Period. That's it's just that's what it boils down to. You can't, look, one set of rules in, in civilization, there will always be some set of rules that, that apply. So there are always ground rules. You may right. not know what they are when you get to a place, but just like you go anywhere, there are always ground rules. The thing that people don't understand is that before we had the justice system, we still had justice. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had justice. Well, what happened is if you went and you killed one of mine, I went to where you were and I say, you killed my brother, Steve. So you owe me a goat. Okay. All right, so, all right, right. T- so tomorrow I'm going to come back here and I expect this goat to be tied up to the tree. And if this goat ain't here, the next day, I'm going to come back with Ivan and Victor, and we're going to kill every motherfucker in this village. That was what you did. But you can't build a society with people going tit for tat, killing because, you know, you went back and forth, this family killed that family. You You can't build civilization like that. So somewhere along the way, we decided to create this thing called the justice system. It's a third party that will step in and handle these disputes and make sure that everybody gets justice. Now, once we did that, we essentially outsourced that thing. We we outsourced crime and punishment to this third party for them to handle so we can get about building hospitals and airplanes and shit. Now, along the way, the system became corrupted. We had people get in there and they started to bend it to their will and make sure that certain people were not being represented. The whole goal of the justice system isn't ju- isn't justice, it's to preserve order. The whole goal is to preserve order, to keep this thing on the rails long enough so we don't fuck around and kill everybody. All right, so right. we don't revert back to the old ways. So when you have a system that's corrupted like this, the counterbalance to that is chaos. If you want the system to work like it should, there needs to be a counterbalance to, to the corruption. And the counterbalance is this. Once you've made it clear that the system doesn't apply to me, I'm going to go back to the streets and I'm going to get justice how we used to get it. And if you do that enough, the system will say, okay, we don't want this to devolve into chaos. We'll start We'll include these people and we'll make sure the system works for them. If you don't get respect, if you don't get respect from the people that's playing, then they're going to keep they're going to keep fucking around. I, I, I disagree with you. Um, not, nothing you said was 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 was, was incorrect. 
Um, yeah. you, you know, I mean, and, and here's the thing about it, almost at this point, you, you almost have to ask, why would they act any different? Yeah, I, that's the thing. That's that's one of the things that's the most puzzling to me is what do you expect? Like, this may sound crazy. It's like, and I'm sad for her family. I'm, I'm sad for Breonna Taylor's family. I'm, I know that they hurt and like they didn't get justice and it's devastating. It's heart-wrenching. If that were me, I would be feeling the same way. I didn't, when, when this happened, I didn't get angry like I would have years ago. I didn't, I, what do you expect to happen? What do you expect them to do? Do you expect them to do the right thing? People can't give you what they don't have, and they don't have the capacity for justice. How are they going to give you justice when justice ain't in them? Mm. What you expect? What you expect? Like, literally, at this point, how is anybody upset or expecting these people to do the right thing when you have overwhelming evidence that they are not interested in doing the right thing? When the shit goes down like this, when you see all these warning signs happening, you know what it is. How is this a surprise to anybody? This is where we should have known that there was unfixed, you know, that you got to figure out something that the current system just isn't going to be fixed in the normal way. I, I thought about it when, when, you know, all the George Floyd stuff came down, right? Mm-hmm. It would be like, remember, I think about this, my son all the time. He works my, my company, right? If I, if he came, if I came, he, we came in one Monday, I said, hey, look, son, you've been coming in late, right? I need you to make sure, you know, you get here on time. We got the customer. I explained all the thing to him, right? And then the next day, he showed up three hours later than the day before. Yeah. He's got to go. We can't salvage that relationship because he basically told me, fuck you, right? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I'm like, when we told the cops, hey, you're going to stop shooting, choking people to death, and all that stuff, and they basically start choking people to death in front of us, they told us to answer. Yeah, like, and to me, like they got to all go. They got to go because otherwise, they're not going to. They don't have any respect for you. And if, if if you you know after you, if your boss comes to you and you know and tells you something, and that very day it ain't like you forgot, you go out and do the same shit. You obviously told the boss, "Fuck you." Look, police are the only people I know that can get a promotion for killing a boss. <laughs> I don't understand. There's no other. There's no other profession where you can kill the people that you work for. Right. They they work. You work for me, but you get to kill me. I pay your sat like tax dollars. I pay go to you, and like that's where you get your money from. I don't understand how you think that you get away with killing me or beating or even hassling me. Even hassling you, and the reason is because they do. Yeah, like it's the whole. I'm trying to find the right way to put this. First off, just let me say I like riots. I like riots. I like looting. I like them tearing shit up. That shit, I like it because that shit works. Because in this country, the only thing people understand is loss of life or loss of property or economic problems. Mm -hmm. So go in there, like skip all the black businesses. Don't fuck those up. But all that other shit, burn that shit down to the fucking ground. And if they want to get mad about you tearing that shit up and not care about why you tearing the shit up, fuck them too. 
because they know why you out there, but they want to get mad. They want to get mad at you for, for destroying property, but they want to pretend like they don't know what's going on. Burn all that shit down. I got no problem. I got, I got no. I got no problem with it. I think Jesse, you know, I think we all agree. You know, it's like that's one of those things you could do in the short term, but it can't be a long term solution, right? Right. No. Right. No. But it gives you the breathing room to work on long term solutions. You can't. You can't operate in in this system where you constantly in fear of people just being on your back. How you supposed to life is hard enough as it is. Right. Like how you supposed to survive and, and worry about the day to day when any time a motherfucker can just pull you over and just kill you and that and then that's it. You gotta worry about that. Or somebody you can be in a store and somebody can look at you funny from behind the counter, all of a sudden they can call the police on you. Which by the way. The new rule should be this. If you own a store in a black neighborhood and you call the police oh, yeah, your store's gone. and the shit go left, we burning your shit down at night. You mm-hmm. might as well just call the insurance company when you close that motherfucker because... Well, that's actually happened a couple times recently. That Wendy's? Remember the Wendy's? Yeah. And burn that shit. Down to the ground. Um, burn I that shit. Trying to do that, and I think that's definitely got to be a rule. Right, you call mm-hmm. that... You know, hopefully in Minnesota, that that damn place uh, still in the stand, the you know, place where um, Floyd was trying to get the twenty, you know, cash the twenty dollar yeah. bill. Whatever. Hopefully that shit's yeah. gone. Yeah, burn that shit down because you can't be in our neighborhoods making money off of us and then sick the fucking police on us when you know how the police get out. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know, man. It's it, it's it's like. I'm I'm tired, but in a way, it's like you have to see black people. We want to communicate with people how we want to communicate with them. We want them to get our message the way we want to deliver it. That's not how communication works. You have to speak to people in a language that they understand. And violence is some shit they understand. They get that. They understand violence and destruction of property and fucking shit up because when it happened in Minneapolis, you saw that they they got the moving, didn't they? Yep. And and see, that's what I'm saying. You can you can march and, and write poems and all that other shit. Like there was a time, like there was a dude. Listen to me. There was a time when the whole Trayvon Martin thing happened. I wrote a poem that was in the newspaper. Oh. Yeah, and in that poem, I told people if something happened to me, don't riot and don't loot. I was wrong as fuck. Burn that <laughs> shit down. Burn it to the fucking flow. You understand what I'm saying? And and that was that was just like tra- the Trayvon Martin shit. They have what 2013. Well, the like that? You know, Jesse and I, we're, we're, we're sort of, you know, I think we're all sort of getting more would be worth for it. You know, I call it, you know, racialized where, you know, a lot of times I have to admit though, I, I wasn't thinking about this, you know, at all. And we've said the same kind of thing. You know, I, I remember when Rodney King, for example, is, you know, I'm from LA originally. I was absolutely okay. when the Rodney King thing happened. I talked to my grandmother and we are, you know, she obviously is, you know, old school, you know, you know, civil rights. It's like, Oh baby, this is the wrong way to go. I know. Let's pray. And now, like, I'm sitting there, I, you know, half the time we're talking here, I'm, I'm looking at my iPad, like, is, 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 Louis, is Louisville still around? Got the name burning shit down yet? Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. 
What are you doing? How's there still Louisville left? I'm, I'm sitting there with some s'mores and just, right. you know, I, I ain't got no problem. Look, because for the reason you said, it's it's I'm, like, you know, if you're, not, if you're not concerned about when you're killing black people, then I ain't concerned about whether you lost your damn, um, you, know, um, you know, display rack. Yeah. Right. Look, I'm not telling, like, there are some black folks who don't want to riot. There are some people who want to march, who want to not be, who want to be peaceful. I, you can't tell anybody that's black how to process the trauma that we experience on a constant basis. You got to do it. You got to deal with it however you want to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't want to do that. I get that. I'm not saying that everybody is that way. But what I am saying <laughs> is if you feel like you want to go out and fuck that shit up and burn it down, do it. Do you do it? Do what you need to do. If you want to riot and you want to tear shit up, go ahead. At this point, anybody who want to stand in front of you and tell you that you shouldn't, fuck them. Yeah, and, and my days of of trying to coach people to come back and be peaceful—that's that's over. I don't know that I'll be out there necessarily being involved in a riot, but I do think that I am <laughs> of a position now. I would rather spend the time that I got at home with my family, people who actually care about me. Yeah. Uh, and it used to be a time, you know, I, I came up through NAACP and all that, and it was all about organizing and writing. But I tell everybody now, I've retired from my activism. So at this point, if people want to continue to feign like they're ignorant and they don't understand what's going Thank on, you. then it's time for you to meet the people that I've been talking to <laughs> who have yeah. uh, been wanting to get at you for a couple decades now. Look, um, I... I decided like that was a real thing for me. Like when they um when them, they had the protesters storm the Capitol, because I live in Lansing, Michigan. All right, That's right. where I'm at. And so I'm right there. I've been I passed the Capitol like a, you know, there was a time when I worked down there and I used to pass it every day. So I'm very familiar. I've been in there. I'm familiar with that place. And I know how close those people were on them legislators with them AR-15s and all that shit. And I know what the commotion looked like down there. And I didn't have an AR-15 before that happened. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't keep running around here, walking in here with these guns and waving them in people's faces and shit and talking crazy about what you're going to do to people and expect people to just take that shit and not be ready to defend themselves. So I went, I bought up a bunch of shit. Okay. And I go, I go to the gun range. And I'm nice with these motherfuckers too. Mm-hmm. And I want I want to help people arm themselves and learn how to use weapons to defend themselves. You know what I'm saying? That was that's how I want to contribute. By the way, don't you have a podcast about survival podcast? Or yeah, yeah, it's called How to Survive in America. It's a bunch of different stuff. Basically, it called? Uh, it's called How to Survive in America. That's the name of the podcast. It's 18, <laughs> 18 episodes, and okay. the whole premise the whole premise of the podcast was it was me trying to develop skills that I might need if Donald Trump gets reelected. All right. So mm-hmm. it's you know how to like we talk about how to build shelter, how to use a firearm how to hunt, how to use, how to use a bow and arrow, like uh, how to deal with injuries that you might get at a protest. You know, like it's all different types of stuff. Each episode is relatively different. There's one episode that is really dope 
uh, I just want to mention this one in particular. Uh, oh, Dr. Ronnie Dean Buren came on my show and she talked about how to homeschool your kids. Mm. And it was, the shit was electrifying. And I'm talking about education, but the shit was dope. Like it was, it had a bunch of information and it. it was great. Now I, I had a lot of great guests, people talking about growing, how to, how to grow your own food, like how to farm, how to, how to deal with cattle, like all types of shit, you know, just because if this, if we keep going like this, if, if Trump wins again, I mean, this is essentially a failed state right now. So you can expect a further breakdown and erosion of the little bit, the vestiges of democracy that we have left. No, there's not going to be any, any, any democracy left. I, you know, there's a new story, I guess, there's one out every day. You know, basically Trump is, is, is going to win this election. He's going to take this election and not win it. I'm not saying win it, but he's going to get the election somehow because basically nobody will get to vote, whatever. He got all these, these schemes. And eventually he'll just say, no, nope, you know what? I, I count the numbers myself. I know what the, the people say at the states, but they don't know. I know the numbers. And I'm telling you, I won. And by the way, we know that because that's exactly what Putin does. He, he wins the election. Right. It doesn't matter. When, you know, and here's the thing that's amazing to me, though, is you can get away with that. You know, people, I've always thought you and I as lawyers, we were all taught that that piece of paper, that constitution is what keeps us together. And no, what keeps us together is the fear that we instill upon one another that if you violate that constitution, that's your ass. And yeah. we all, Trump knows he can do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And, and it, it's like it's like these cops. Once you know you can do whatever the hell you want to do, I will shoot your dog, even though it's easier not to, because I can do it. I will yep. shoot your kid because it's easier not to do it. I will steal election because it's easier than winning it. Right? Once you let somebody know they can do whatever the hell they want to do, you got problems. You know, I don't. I'm a. You know, I'm gonna go out and vote. I'm a. You know, try to encourage everybody else to vote. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I hope he doesn't win. But the way I see it, I think the best way to deal with him and his supporters is to make sure that you are okay regardless. Like Mm -hmm. there's only so much that you can do. Like you vote, we participate in the process. I, you know, I voted, I don't think, I think I missed the 2002 election, but I've been, I voted in every election since then. So I believe in voting, but there's only so much that you can do if you're trying to simultaneously prepare yourself for whatever the fallout might be, you know, like you have to get ready to survive this because regardless of if he wins reelection or not, I'm going to still be here. I'm going to be here after he ain't president no more. So I'm going to be here regardless. And yeah, what, are, they, so why they, are you going to be here? Cause I, I, I might not be. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, the way I mean the way I see it is like when you really think about it, the way that they flex on us is through use of the government. They don't really have a whole lot of say in your day to day life, so it's like that's why they hold on to the police and the government and all that other shit to really fuck with you. Right. So, like, I, I'm just working on myself, man. Like, I'm just trying to make sure now, that I'm okay. I saw um, there's a show, 
and uh, this this bad based on my life on a TV show, but but um, but it was actually the um, Jill Scott on HBO, and it was the number one girl detective agency or whatever. But yeah, she, love that show, right? Love that show. But she and, and I'm watching her, and the thing that I'm sitting there the whole time just jealous of the fact is that she goes to the doctor's office and it's black people. And you can't tell what position somebody has by race. See, when you go to the hospital, normally I know what the black people are doing, right? They check mm-hmm. in, orderly, whatever. They're the doctor. Could be a neurosurgeon because everybody's black, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. world in which I would not have to worry about race. Man, have you have either one of you ever been to the Virgin Islands? Yeah, well, I've been there. ago this year. With COVID. Man, yeah. I went, that was, a, that was an eye-opening experience for me. I went to, we went to, me and my wife and my mother-in-law went to St. Thomas. Okay. And um, this was a couple years ago. And it was eye-opening because that was the first time I was ever in a, in that type of setting and everybody was black. And just like, you know, from the wino to the mailman to whoever, everybody was black. And it's like, when you're in that setting and the first couple of times I heard the police, sirens i looked around and was like damn are they coming for me but then after a while to just relax and just know that they're not coming to fuck with you based on how you look it was a revelation and it's like that's what that's what it's like to be in this country and be the majority population it's like i would never want to be white i'm cool i love being black but I wouldn't mind being in the majority. <laughs> but but and, and that's the thing is, and you know, obviously we're not going to be in the majority here. And you know, I, I think for for, for me, it, it's it's kind of like, you know, I'm going to give you an example. This is how ignorant I was at first. I thought about it, and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here, right? And you know, like you guys, I have other skills. I'm like, you know what? I could teach American law, okay, in any country in the world. All right, I got this pedigree from Harvard, right? I think I could do this. And so I started looking at it. And my ignorance, you know, my first thought would go to a place was, I'm going to tell you the truth, Iceland. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought, you know what, the way you do, the way you really make out in life is you get away from black people, right? I'm moving on up. And you can't get any more less black than Iceland, right? Mm-hmm. And they probably would be okay for the one black person. I, 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 I saw, I'd probably be famous. All right, that'd be great, right? But the problem was, though, is that eventually I don't see because of self needs, self esteem, because of just culture or whatever, that you'll ever get to a point where there won't be significant racism in in, in, in any country that's not mostly black. And by the way, a black country might have racism against white people, right? But but you know, if, you, if you're not in the majority group, you're going to be suffering racism forever. Yeah, I think that's I think that's um, part and parcel with the mentality that you know we all suffer this is every black person in america suffers from the vestiges of white supremacy right even the ones that try to actively throw it off you still have to catch yourself sometimes and be like man that was some wild shit i was thinking you know <laughs> and like so but part of that is they disconnect us from our heritage and from where we came from when you really look at slavery and you look at this, the American experience, it's a really small part of our timeline. It's not a long time. We were the first fucking people. So how you, you can't really sum us up by these past 400 years. We were the first ones here. 
So to be to reconnect with that and understand kind of your heritage and where you come from, I think that would go a long way to kind of tying us back in to where we come from. That, that's the whole point of uh, the Pan-Africana show that I do on Saturdays. That's like yeah. I, I think that what we miss out on a lot of times here is the fact that the world is much bigger than America. And I don't know if y'all have, have uh, made a lot of connections over in the motherland, but there's a lot of people in the motherland with money that's doing okay. Right. So, so yeah. um, one of the things is like just trying to realize that it's weird the way that colonialism has worked over there, the things that they are deprived of or that they need most have to do with the skills that we get here. That's why they come here to go to school and all that right. stuff. We have that. The things we don't have are the, the natural resources that they have access to. So, my thing is if we could just work together. Why do we even need any kind of white or Western interference in these relationships? We've got Al Gore's Internet now or Rihanna's Internet, (laughs) I guess it's Bitcoin. So we've got Internet now. We can connect with people. We can, you know, we have, you know, Cash App and all these different money programs to do stuff. The thing that we don't have is relationship and trust. Right. So the issue is the only way that you can develop that is to connect with people and to meet people. The the shocking thing for me, though, is even if the people who want to transition and become expats and go go to Africa, it's not that you're going to go to a place that's going to be perfect and now your problems are over. There's always going to be problems wherever you go. The issue is what kind of problems are you willing to put up with as opposed to not? So if you go to Africa, maybe you won't get shot by police. But you might have to pay a little bit extra money because they're gonna be, you know, some government leaders that might take a little bit more than what they're supposed to. You know, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah. you know, the, the whole point is, can I deal with that? Yes. And I think even if you don't, even if you don't get to a position where you want to say, "I'm leaving America," I'm just gonna move, which you can because they got mansions in Ghana for thirty five thousand dollars. Hey, man, it, it's there. It's there. <laughs> But even if you don't get to that point, like just the fact that you can get out of America, I think the point that Robert was making, just get out of America for a while and kind of experience what it's like to not look over your shoulder every two seconds and to not feel like you fit the description of a suspect everywhere you go. But just to be able to breathe, to be able to be creative, to be able to relax, well, um, it makes a difference. I feel like I feel like that's the thing. That's one of the problems that we have here is that we have that disconnect here in America between the, between the uh, working class black people and the middle to upper class black people. The Mm -hmm. slick move in this country is when we went to, we, we accepted uh, desegregation and didn't get the equality part. So when we, when they broke, when we, everything got desegregated, we allowed them to pick and choose which ones of us they wanted to deal with instead of everybody. So, you know, back when we were segregated, all the money stayed in one spot because we didn't have Mm -hmm. any options. We didn't have a choice. We all, we had to share our money and share our resources because we all lived next to each other. So you had the doc, the black doctor that was on the same block as Mm -hmm. the black family who, you know, might be struggling or whatever. Everybody lived together. But then when we desegregated, those folks up and moved. And now you have a situation where if you're if you're black 
you couldn't buy a house in our old neighborhoods because of redlining. Mm-hmm. So you, if you wanted a house, you had to go out outside of our neighborhood to buy a house. You dealt with restrictive covenants, racism, all that stuff. But if you bought Absolutely. a house, it, it was out there. So then you're subject to racism because you're in a predominantly white area. Mm-hmm. When all the people who can move do move, the areas that are left become poor. Right. So then they send the police in there to clean those areas up. So now you got you dealing with police in these poor areas, these poor neighborhoods, these black neighborhoods that are bad because of poverty, not because right. of race. And so we're suffering on both ends. We come to, if black people who have money come back and we live together, we need each other. We can protect each other. That's, that's what it is. Like I'm like, I grew up, I was born and raised in Detroit and there's this suburb uh, named Southfield, Southfield, Michigan. And Southfield is 80 some odd percent black. Mm-hmm. They don't have any, they don't have the crime problems that some people would associate with a predominantly black city because they have a high education. They have high medium in, median income. They have all of that stuff. So it's not a race thing. It's, it's an economic thing. So you can't tell me that us moving back and be, becoming more connected with each other and being around each other more wouldn't have a positive effect. It really would. Most of us have been sold on the idea, like you said, of, of white supremacy so much so. I mean, think about it. You know, growing up as a kid, you know, we, we see this all the time. It's like, you know, the, the, the goal of every, even the black shows was, what was the goal of Get Tons? Get the hell out of this ghetto. Yeah. Right? What, mm-hmm. what was the goal of, 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 of George Jefferson would, would dance? He was just so excited that he got away from niggas. Yeah, right? moving on up. Right? That's all he wanted to do in, in like, view Mr. Wittendale, right? And it's like we were all taught that that's success. I, I tell the story that you know they have, they have an app uh, that you put your zip code in and it gives you all kind of information about you. And my app said that you know I live in a neighborhood that was uh, le- less than two percent black, and then they said it was you know sixteen percent Latino. And it's Arizona, so okay. And then I started thinking, well, let me break this down. I found out that most of our Latinos, you know, remember, Latinos are race, so they're also white. Like, you know, so I was like, whoo, I'm in here with 90% white. You know, I had my chest puffed out, right? I'm like, <laughs> right? Now, by the way, I didn't look at median income. I didn't look at median education. It turns mm-hmm. out we can't ask white people around here. All right. My, mm-hmm. my white people must be selling meth to each other. I don't know how they have money. All right. They got a little money. But they, they're not educated, you know? And it's like, it, but I was just that demographic. All I had to look for was race. And that's so much, so much about America. It's like, you you know, you start just, you become, you know, racially, you know, conscious yourself, but not the good way in the sense that you start knowing some things. Oh, well, that guy, you know, I've, I've made the same assumption about people before. My father damn near called a cop on a brother, a gardener. And of course he did. He was like, oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a he, he started doing like a white woman. He started watching him. He's like, I'm in an all white neighborhood. What's this brother doing here? And he's found out, you know, his weird part is, you know who validated it for him? The Mexicans. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, he's part of, he's part of the killing crew. I'm like, wait a minute. Now, you, you didn't trust a brother in your own neighborhood. You know you're black, right? And you're like, man, yeah. I've been here so long, I forgot. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like, centuries. That's like, that's, that's, 
this. That's generations of training, though. That's generations of conditioning to not trust one another. That's, and, and, that's all that is. You know, now, because I find it, and I don't know if any of you do this, I find myself doing this. I want to shop black, right? But I am real, you know, I have to catch myself being real tough on black people. Right. Mm-hmm. See, and that's the thing. It's like, you you can't, my thing is this, if you wouldn't say it about any other business, right? don't say it about black businesses. And before right. you, and my thing is, before I go public, I keep that shit to myself and I can't or or I'll talk to them and, and explain my concerns to them personally because I, I don't want them to fail. You know what I'm saying? I want them to do well. But, you know, being, you know, being a patron of black business don't mean you got to take any old bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's plenty of quality black businesses out here. And the ones that are that are, that may not have it all the way right. I feel like we have a duty to say something to them to speak up. You know what I mean, or or at least address, at least voice our concerns in a in in a positive, like in a um productive way. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Right versus just writing it off. But we've been you know so so many of us been for myself. You know more than most probably trained. You know to be because I mean, you mentioned the crime bill. Once somebody blew me away with the crime bill, I was yelling about somebody. Maybe it was Al. Go- maybe it was Clinton, or or maybe it was even Biden about the crime bill. And some brother had to remind me. He was like, "Uh, you know, we got the crime bill because black people wanted it." Lots well, of them. Yeah, lot, lots of those mayors and a lot of them, man, they they clap their hands and applause for that. You know, they yeah. really they really clamor for that. They clamor for that, and so you know, a lot of us still have so much of that. Um, you know, white supremacy. And now, let me ask you this: when just in your you know limited dealings, but you know, you also I know you you sometimes vacation in the Caribbean. Do you mm-hmm. find that black people in, in other countries have been so um, you know damaged or so so you know they they've ingested so much white supremacy they they have it themselves? Um, well, I know my view is probably a little different because I'm going as a, a tourist. Right. But um, what I usually get whenever I go, first, I feel a sense of connectivity, but I also feel like there's this extra dimension of blackness. So uh, I was, what was I at? I think I was either in the Bahamas or somewhere. Anyway, I, I was somewhere and I was having a conversation with a guide. And I was like, you know, what is your connection to like the diaspora? Do you connect with what you see going on with us in America and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you know, black people have been on this island since well before the founding of America and all this stuff. And so he was like, you know, we they used to send ships out and black, uh, you know, African groups would sail out and intermingle with the indigenous peoples of the island or whatever. And it created in, in their mindset their own culture. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, the, it, it doesn't look the same to me. Like to me, it's well. Yeah, I, my skin is black, but I am Taino or whatever they they were called there. And uh, and so he was like, you know, but I still feel right, like so I still feel what's going on, but I don't grasp or fully understand it, right? And so I'm I'm explaining to him, you know, well that's very interesting. This is what's going on, blah 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 blah. And the government at the time was debating whether or not they were going to shut down. Or not shut down, but at least put on their website that they were warning people about traveling to America because of the police shootings. And I'm trying to can't remember which one it was, but it was in one of these spurs. I want to say this is with the Walter Scott and all this of that generation of police shootings. Um, 
Yeah, because that's how I define it now. It's like at this point, the names are so many of them. It's, it might as well be a, a mosaic at this point. Yeah. Um, so they were they were trying to assess kind of the, the risks, but they were telling the people of their island nation why travel to America needs to be very, very um, safeguarded. Right. Because there's no guarantee. The police are shooting everybody. And it, it was one of those things where, like, on one hand, I understood 120 percent where they were coming from. But on the other hand, I felt sad because I feel like I'm American and I have to go back. <laughs> so, you know, every day, even when I was like, get ready to leave, they're like, hey, are you sure you want to go to America, brother? I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know now. I'm not sure. Um, so it's just it's a different viewpoint. And that's why I like talking to people who are from here. Like a lot of people from Africa, they you know, I love the, the DMs I get from people in Africa who are like, so when y'all gonna start killing people? Like, like, <laughs> like it's just so matter of fact. It's like I don't, I don't understand how you all deal with it. And I'm like, eh, it's complicated. You try to explain it, and they're like, uh huh, yeah, okay. So it's it's one of those things where I feel like there's levels to this, and I agree with Robert. There's conditioning to a certain extent. I'm also, you know, I've had to check myself because I feel like in the past two years I have elevated to a point in my life and my career that I never have seen before, especially when you come from like abject poverty and now all of a sudden you got money. Right. <laughs> it's, like, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I just want to take a breath for a second and enjoy some of this money. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, you just, you just don't get that opportunity, man. And I feel like for, for people, and I know I'm not the only one. I feel like for people like me, for a lot of people, I am the only attorney they know. Like I am the one I made it. And so because of that, I have a responsibility to a large group of people, uh, a whole community who rely on me to do everything. Even though I say I'm a housing attorney. Hey, man, you know, I got charges last week. Can you help brother out? I got this. I got that. So you try to be what you can. But I'm also trying to emphasize because I have black students who are looking towards me for guidance. I try to emphasize, too, you got to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you'll burn out trying to do everything for everybody. And it's not fair when you didn't create the systemic racism that everybody has to deal with or that everybody's trying to navigate. You didn't create that. You're probably not going to be able to fix it by yourself. You do what you can when you can. But you do need to have some office hours. Right. Like Big yeah. Red said, my office hours from nine yeah. to five. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, you got to cut off, man, because you're going to have a family that's going to depend on you. You're going to have other things that you're going to want to do in life. I, and, I, and I definitely encourage everybody, you have to travel. Because I grew up with people who, you know, y'all probably understand, I grew up with people who didn't lead a block. Like, I grew up with people who still like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, John, John, and them on 23rd. Like, what? Um, yeah. So because you deal with people who haven't left the block, all of these issues that people are seeing that happen in our community as well, these this stuff happening in Louisville is like foreign to them. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, police kill people here, too. We we had seven shootings in Durham in the past week. Right. Like just seven with people just saying, I'm just going to kill my neighbor. Right? <laughs> and, and we're not a big city. So, you know, the, the concept of death, I think, from a place where I'm from is very familiar. And I think it's almost like people don't expect you to really get very far in life. So it hurts even worse when you see people who are doing the right thing. I think Breonna Taylor sticks out to me because she was doing what she's supposed to do, right? Right. 
So it's like you've done everything you're supposed to do. They still want to connect you somehow to some drugs that they got a no not warrant for and just can't seem to find. Right. And there's, of course, some excuse as to why they're going to say they couldn't find it. But to have somebody, you know, do so much and then be in a position where they're trying to care for other people at a time where we're dealing with a pandemic that our freaking leadership thought was a joke. And now we have 200,000 people dead from it, including those first responders who were doing the work to help the people that nobody else could help. Right. You would think that somebody in Breonna Taylor's position would have been respected, protected, and at least ushered through a lot more, a lot better than what we ended up delivering to her. Cause I think today was, uh, today was a joke. Um, so what we ended up delivering for her and the fact that she lost her life for something like this. And then it goes, you know, really to my bigger point of, I just think black women get screwed like all the time mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't make sense, man. And I feel like they look for people to, you know, advocate for them and to vouch for them and to protect them. And they always walk away feeling like there's nobody. So they have to do it themselves. Right. And I never, ever, ever want anybody to feel that way. But at the same time, I can't save everybody. So I think it is important for each of us to try to make sure that if nothing more, like the women in your community or the women in your family or whatever, that we look out for these people because the police have shown us that it's not just about killing us. They're going to kill them kill too. Everybody. Kill everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they, now I was looking at some, some um, comments, you know, from, from, from Facebook, from the people in, in, in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing how, you know, little sympathy people had for her. I understand the position, by the way. I think it's wrong, but understand the position that says, okay, these cops made a mistake, right? They made a tragic mistake and miscommunication or whatever, right? But just mm-hmm. the kind of I back blue and you know what? She deserves I don't give a damn about it. You know, like like the idea that it wasn't even a tragedy. Like what bothered me about the, the statement today from the I can almost understand it had the uh Cameron, Daniel Cameron come out and said, and actually kind of did, like, oh, you know, it, it's it, it's it's a mistake. But I've seen a lot of people where it's not even, you know, uh, like a mistake. And you know, I backed the blue. And here's what I did not see. Remember when the little white kid was shot by his black neighbor and everyone started confusing, going, you know, we want justice mm-hmm. for Cannon. I think right, right, right. I remember. I remember a single black person going, "You know what the hell with Cannon? Back to black, right?" No yeah. black person in in the world thought that that brother should 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 not go to jail for shooting that little white boy, right? And mm-hmm. somehow with us, we don't even have the basic humanity where you know what where you, where you will have sympathy. By the way, like I said, not for you know a thug, right? But a sister's out there helping, you know, you know, a hero. It's like you I think get that for her. I think that it's important. This is something that I try to remember, and it helps me to not be angry or be upset about these types of things. It's important to remember as a Black person that there's going to always be a difference between what you get and what you deserve here. There'll always be a difference between those two things. And when we experience these types of injustices, they don't speak to our worth and our capacity and our worthiness of just for justice. That's not what it speaks to. These things say nothing about us. It speaks about them and their inability 
to do the right thing. That's that's what this goes to. This isn't this isn't about us. All the stuff that you see, like you know, the Breonna Taylor, all these cops doing all this killing and nobody going to jail for it. It's not about us. Of course, we deserve justice, but we're asking for something from some from people who can't. They can't do it. They're not. They're not able. It's like it's like being mad. It, would you be mad at a homeless person if you asked them for a million bucks and they didn't have it? <laughs> what you expect them to have? They don't have it. So it's like this is this is what this is what they do. Like it don't even make no sense to be angry or to even look at yourself like there's something wrong with us. This is what this is what it is right now. It doesn't speak to us as people or, or or what we deserve. It's just it's just not it's just not in the cards. If 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 it's something that they they're in control of, they're running every, all the stuff. You can expect it to turn out that way. Absolutely. So and we gotta we gotta get, we gotta get going here. Where question I have for both of you, I guess as we end here is. What do you want to see happen in the short term and long term? So you two are, are, are determined to stay. So what do you want to see happen um, in, in the short and long term? I feel like the whole thing is it's a two part process. Black people, there's only, there's certain things that black people can only do for ourselves. It's nice to have allies, and and allies are necessary. But allies can't make people stop killing you. Only you can do that. Okay. O- only you can make people respect you and not think they can get away with harming you. So we can do that. Hopefully they can provide us the cover for us to stand on our own because that's all we've ever needed. No, I, 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 I don't have any disagreement with you there, Jesse. What, what do you, what, what do you think we should do? Um, I, I just want black people to thrive. That, that's what I want. I want us to thrive, and whatever that means, or whatever context, we got to take it in. That's where I want us to be. Um, I feel like we, we know that there's an election coming up, and we know that there's going to be a lot of of momentum to try to push people to vote one way or another. Um, I'll be honest and say I'm not really happy with either of the options that I got, but I do know that one is better than the other. Absolutely. Um, and so, like, we, we know what we have to do as far as votes, but we also know that he has set up this system in such a way that our popular vote doesn't necessarily matter for him. Wow. Um, and so I think it's important, one, to take care of your, your own personal mental health well-being. I definitely second what Robert is saying about don't just buy a gun because a lot of black people got guns. Go to the range, like learn how to, learn how to shoot the gun, learn learn how to clean your gun, learn how to you know load your gun. Don't don't just ha- buy having a gun and, and not knowing how to use it is worse than not having one. Right, <laughs> right. Get you killed quick. Um, and and the other thing is, I I want us to really take a look at kind of expanding what we want from this society, right? Because I think the two things that America responds to. It's always going to be violence and money. That's what they respond to. I can probably teach you how to get money elsewhere. You can right. find ways to get the money. 
Uh, but then the issue is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be a type of person who you get your money and you're like, well, I'm good. My family good. F y'all. You know, like, are you going to be that? Are you going to be the type of person that's going back and opening the door for other people to be able to get on too? Right. And I think that solidarity for America is all we can do. Because if we can form our own super PAC or we can do our own political moves and not have to even rely on anybody else's system to get the stuff done that we need to get done, then I think we should do that. But I also think we need people who are going to be dedicated to the cause to say, look, I am here as a protector of the black community, point blank. So if you come in here and you violate, we taking you out. I think we need that. I think we are past overdue for that. And the problem is who's going to be that person? Who's going to draw straws? Because you know when the police come, you ain't making it out. Right. So yep. who who's going to draw straws for that to figure out who that person is going to be or who those people are going to be? And I think there needs to be some degree of respect and understanding with those people to make sure that whatever they need, as far as their family or whatever, is taken care of in their absence. Um, but, you know, I, I, I share your belief that this system we know it's not designed for us. I share the belief that the system is not going to work for us. I also share the belief that, you know, party matters. And I think I, I wasn't raised to hate. Um, I wasn't raised to hate people who take advantage of systems when they are in the system that's already taking advantage of everybody else. I think that the Republican Party, as much as I dislike what they do, they're playing the game they're supposed to play. And I get mad because the Democratic Party doesn't seem to ever want to do that. They always want to be the more um, the moral leader or whatever. <laughs> And what, I, what I've come to find out is it's because most of the people in both of the parties benefit no matter which way we go, right? Yeah. It's us that's going to be hurt. We always going to be the ones who get the short end of the stick. Yeah. So we have to be um, forthright about trying to set it up for ourselves and be independent. Everybody don't have to know the moves you make. And everybody don't have to know your business. But make sure that you get something so that you're able to, if you want to leave, you got the means to do it. If you want to stay, you got the means to defend yourself. That's what mm-hmm. I want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to say this because you guys brought up a, a thousand things, but two things I, I liked about what both of you had to say is one, and this is what we have to do, and I see it all the time. My wife subscribes to this um, Karen uh, channel where you just have these crazy white women yelling at black people. And I'm always like, I can't watch it. I can't watch it because for me, I, I don't get that. Right. Because to me, it's like if, if, if some white woman is harassing you, your first thought is to take out your phone to let people know how you've been victimized. You weren't raised. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. right? Um, I, I know that's never happened to you, Robert. I know it's never happened to you, Jesse. <laughs> how, how many white people have been harassing me? I'm like, that doesn't happen to me. 52 years. I've never even, I would be shocked if a white man called me the N word to my face. It would probably take me about 10 seconds to respond. It's going to take me about 10 years to serve my sentence. But it would take me <laughs> 10 seconds to respond. You know what? I can't even, I can't even front. That's happened to me before. It's never been where I could reach that motherfucker. But you okay, know. right. right. <laughs> it's like your eyes when you drive the car past you, right? That kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now we got young brothers who, you know, if, 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 if you know, you know, raising the suburbs, um, you know, wearing a Hot Topics T-shirt, or you know, where, where, where they gonna, you know, pull out their phone, right? And because be, I don't want no phones around when you call me in word. Right? We gonna turn mm-hmm. on. All right, I don't need no. <laughs> Or to ask what you about to get. And here's the thing about it is, I don't, I've had to fight with anybody since I was 13 years old, but, but I know how to look at you to make you know to back the fuck off me, right? And I'm like, you know, there has to be that self respect. Cause Robert, you said it, nobody's gonna respect you if you don't, if you more than you respect yourself. 
Man, mm-hmm. I, I tell you the truth. It's a it's a simple it's a simple concept. It's something we've been we've been doing it since for as long as I can remember. Somebody hit you, you hit them back. Thank you. Simple. Very simple, right? Yeah. And part of it is they get that, but one thing you guys mentioned there, maybe the way you take back the streets, the way you take back your communities is if we move back, because here's the thing about it, I thought about it is, you know, I live in the suburb, but, but, but I think I'd give up the Costco, right, and the Whole Foods um, if, 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 if I could be safe from the police. Yeah, and the black I, neighborhoods could start could, could start could, could could start providing that where cops know, hey, we ain't gonna act a fool up in you know in, in you know in, in the strawberry fields. Well, right? I, I live in the place I, I live in. My neighborhood I live in, like, well, first off, my city is like twenty, maybe twenty three, twenty four percent black. Okay, and I've lived a lot of places. You know, I've bounced around like different places, different towns. This is the safest I've felt anywhere. And part of it is because it's something settling about looking around and seeing people who look like you. Right. It's, it's something that's very, it just puts you at ease. And it's like, these are your neighbors. These are the people who would be calling the police if the police had to be called. I would much rather those people look like me and have my background. There's somebody who thinks I'm a fucking troublemaker just because just because of how I look. Yeah, nope. it's 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 I like it, man. I really do. It's it's real, you know, it's nice. It's nice to just be able to just exist for a little bit. Yeah, man. I, I, I wanted I was trying to look for something in, in a, a area where I could be around my people. And uh, the way that the real estate market was set up when I was looking for houses wasn't going to allow that. Uh, but I ended up finding, I guess, was a happy medium. I've got uh, a neighborhood here that is about 60 percent Indian uh, okay. and then about 20 percent black, 20 percent white. So, you know, we don't nobody, neither white people nor black people run stuff out here. It's, it's the Indian people who run stuff. And I've learned a lot about Diwali and all of that. But what what I do know is. I have never felt as comfortable as I feel now. And I grew up in a largely black area. It's nothing against the people there. I think it's, it sucks when you are always fighting for basic services that everybody else gets. Yeah. It sucks. And then when people have to make decisions about, all right, you know, I remember even, even growing up when people would have to share their grocery trip because everybody doesn't have, and you want to make sure that everybody at least has something and you rather have less and know everybody is eating than than to not have for yourself, right? So, yeah. like, I don't, I don't really necessarily want to go back now that I see how this good side is. We got a Wegmans down here. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's nice. We got air conditioning in it. You know, like it's just, it's a different vibe. But at the same time, I'm I'm sad because I feel like I wish more people who look like me were able to experience this uh, well, and able to even get in. Well, you you can connect. That's the thing. You can you connect with people too. Like you spend you you spend time, your resources with your people, however you can. You know what I'm saying? Like just being more connected. You know, it's not everybody is able to just pick up and move right away. Right. But you can be connected to people and surround yourself with more people that make. Like I'm to the point where. If you make 
if you make being black harder than it already is, I don't need you. Okay. So that goes for everybody. So the people who make it harder on you to be who you are, you got to cut them loose and you replace them with people that allow you to be yourself. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you both. I tried a couple of years ago. I was uh, in a hotel room, you know, living at large. And, and, and I think I got a talk from Cornell West or somebody, but somebody was sort of, you know, reading my mail. They were like, you know, I call my wife. I'm like, baby, you know, I pack the house. We move it to the hood. Going to the ghetto. And she was like, look, when you get home on Friday, your stuff will be packed. Right. <laughs> packing your stuff a long time. All yeah, right, that's that's where you going. Where you going. <laughs> we got to be with our people. She's like, I am my people. Right? I'm, I'm from the Costco tribe. Right? We got a Costco. <laughs> I'm not giving up, you know, Whole Foods and, and Trader Joe's, right? Where I get the JoJo's. I'm like, okay, I get it, right? There are things about the suburbs that are nice. Right. You just have those things. And for the most part, like I said, as an adult, it's fine with me. But, you know, and I guess I have the same problem anyway. You know, it depends on where you live. I'd worry about my son. But, you know, my wife and I have this constant every day. Did you hear from you know, the boy? He has an apartment in town. Right. But we're always like, you know, did you hear from him today? All right. When's the last time you heard from him? Did you get out? You know, every day you try to monitor, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I have Googled Mesa police and my son's name. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Wait. Yeah, you know, I don't have kids, man. Y'all have different concerns. You know what I'm saying? It's different. It's different when you're raising kids. You know what I mean? You got different considerations and stuff to make. So, you know. It ain't like, Jesse, your mom went to sleep every night. Like, oh, like, you know, when you were in the hood, because, I mean, there was concerns there, too. There's always going to be, I guess, some issue. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, I guess you have to, you know, sort of wait a trail. But I think you're right, though. The big thing is, you guys both said, is like the connection. Even if you don't live there, you know, and I got to get back to black church. I was in black church, you know, mentoring young black boys in the community, you know, new black people, you know, who from, you know, you know, the city. I, I got to get back there because if you have a connection, you know, like I say you don't have to live necessarily with people, but you want to be connected to the community versus just being, you know, out here by yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm all for connection. I, I still go to the same church I grew up in. I do a lot of mentoring. I do a lot of community service. Um, more so because I just feel like there's so much untapped talent in the place where I've been. And I feel like mm-hmm. I wasn't that great. So, so I'm, like, right. I'm like, for Same people that I know you were way better than right. me, let's get right. you on point. Right. 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 It's funny though, because you know, Jesse, you actually, you know, had a lot of notoriety, um, you know, in, 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 in your community. I actually have some notoriety, but none here in Arizona. Right. I mean, I, you know, I speak to lawyers everywhere, but Arizona, you never profit in your hometown. You got interested, Robert, because you've done a lot of comedy, but a lot of traveling. I, do people recognize you in, in, in Grand Rapids? Well, in, in, it's funny because yes, I'm I, in Lansing. You know, I've been doing, you know, I've been part of this comedy show here for like seven years now. So people recognize me around town. It's not anything. It still throws me off guard when people recognize me for doing okay. comedy. You know, but like I because of like social media, I keep in touch with a lot of people that I grew up with, okay. like still like a huge like all the people that I still hunt with in high school. We all keep in touch. And I think maybe I just was part of a weird class because like our high school class was crazy successful. Like we had like doctors, lawyers, like all types of crazy shit, like everybody mm-hmm. did very well. And it's. We all, I think we're all kind of of the same mind that we spend a lot of time reaching out to other black people and younger black people, helping them along. 
you know what I'm saying? Like mentoring and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, we all are pretty active, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, we've, we've turned full circle. I guess we've been a little less bitter and angry black man now. Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, um, as, as we lead, I think people should understand, and that we'd all agree, uh, try Jesus. But Don't try me. Try us. Because I throw hands. There you go. Aren't right. you? <laughs> that's, that's the place that every voice is singing is a national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to head on out. Everybody, thanks so, hey, thanks so much, Robert. I'm going to put on the, on, on the um, you know, when we do it on the Facebook page um, uh-huh. to um, your podcast. Give us again, podcast. Awesome. Uh, uh, how to Survive in America. There we go. Simple. We'll see you next time, everybody. Try Jesus. Not me, cause I throw hands. Try Jesus, please don't try me, because I fight.